0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first ever Self-Evident podcast. And we're teaming up with something called Eternal Agora, Eternal Agora. I got the guy sitting across from me. His name's Mike. He's uh, one of the hosts here at Self-Evident Podcast. He also teaches and preaches, pretty much similar to the things that I do. And uh, why don't you go ahead and explain what Eternal Agora is, and then I'll go into what Self-Evident is, the whole message. If you've never heard of us before... I'll tell you all about why we're doing this and why the podcast is so important to us. Yeah. Eternal Agora was really a project that I wanted to get off
1: the ground that, you know, there's a lot of things that people just don't know a lot about, you know, whether it's socialism or whether it's what's going on in the world, whether it's, you know, fatherless home rates, you know, that kind of thing, stuff that people need to know. Right. Um, and, you know, you, you point it back to the gospel Christian values. You point sure. it back to Christ, right? And I my firm belief is if God is reasonable, if, if God is the creator of logic, of understanding of reason, right, then it should make sense what he calls for and what he asks us to do. Um, and there, there should be some physical representation of that. Um, so my whole goal is to just push that out, you know, and get that out and, help people learn more about these things, you know, whether it's law, philosophy, science, whatever, and learn a lot along the way. I mean, I get bored if I'm not learning. Um, But it's been good because I've been able to come up through self-evident, you know, and it mirrors really well what self-evident is doing and what we're doing, you know, going out to colleges and churches and community groups. Um, But, you know, like you said, go ahead and give a little bit of what what self-evidence for what you've
0: been doing with it. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so when I teamed up with uh, Mike here, you know, he, he's kind of the one that had the idea for the podcast. Well, I'll take that back. I had the idea, but I just didn't have the, the mental capacity to do it. Uh, just because when you're tra- and I also pastor here at a church in Florida called Revive Church. Um, uh, started full time pastoring here, so traveling and preaching, full time pastoring, having kids. My beautiful wife, um, who's uh helping videotape a lot of the stuff here videotape, who's helping <laughs> record <laughs> VHS <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a on our cameras here. Um, I just didn't have a lot of time, but Mike really wanted to take this on, and and so we, we're bringing self evident to your ear now because it's I think it's more important to reach as many people as we can, especially now that I can't tour as much, uh, you know, due to the church, I think that there's still an avenue to really reach people with the message. And one of the reasons is, is because I think a lot of people want to hear the perspective of the scriptures, like not just talking about conservative values or what is the Republican side of things. I mean, this has nothing to do with Republicans or Democrats. I'll say that right away. Um, and a lot of people say that, but they typically do vote and go with the Republican we really don't. Um, we really go with what the Constitution says, and we go with what the word says, and we go with what straight reason says. Right? I mean, if you read the you know the book uh, like Thomas Paine's book Common Sense, or if you read you know John Locke's works, a lot of it yeah. was just common sense. Like it was reason. You yeah. know? Duh. This makes no sense. And so we're not attacking issues for the sake of attacking issues and proving ourselves right. We just want to point out. The, the, the ills in the world and then bring Christ into it and point the candle or light the candle and lead the way and point them to the Christ. And I think that that's more important than anything. Um, self evidence started almost uh, three, uh, three years ago, three and a half years ago, something like that. Um, it was an idea that we had birthed. I was in another group uh, and I still am the vice president of Institute on the Constitution uh, with Jake McCauley and I was teaching Constitution courses. I would go travel and speak and then uh, in about de- nearing the end of 2015, my wife uh, really had this revelation uh, when she was in prayer, she said, "I really think God's going to merge your talking and your music and all these things together." And uh, you know, well, she just really had this, you know, deep sensation to tell me. And of course, you know, I was working at the time, so you know, it didn't really make any sense to me in my at, at that time. And then, <clears throat> you know, at the end of tw- uh, December there in 2015, uh, we had uh, started Self-Evident with negative a dollar eighty-two <laughs> in our bank account. Uh, <laughs> we had we had money saved up, but then you know, things go sour, uh, and, and, and sometimes, you know, money's stretching. It was Christmas and all those things. We had negative $1. eighty-two in our account, but I still had places to speak. I, I, you know, so we said, Lord, if this is what you want us to do, you got to provide. And I remember I had preached in, uh, was it December of that year in Massachusetts? And there was a guy that I had met and he said, you know, I want to start supporting your ministry. So I had sent him a bunch of different things of this other group I was in. He said, no, no, no. I want to support you. Like, what are you doing? And so, uh, I think it was like the week we had to leave. We got a check in the mail uh, for a certain amount of money and it like covered groceries and it covered me going out to Ohio to do a tour. And that was what the beginning of self-evident was. It was a lot of trial, a lot of like, what are you doing, Lord? But I'm kind of that kid that's like reckless abandon with God. And when he says to go do it, I don't ever like, I mean, I count the cost. That's like who cares? Let's just jump right into the sucker yeah. and sometimes uh, you got to just Sometimes jump you just got to jump. Yeah, do and, it. and see God move, you know. Yeah. And only you know that. Only you know. And it, whether you do it in steps incrementally or whether you jump in full faith and that's what God told you to do, I don't believe there's a right or wrong way. Just move. Do what God's telling you to do and move. You know, and and start walking in that direction. You know, I think one of my pastors uh, a couple of years ago had a pretty
1: good way to describe it. And it's kind of like following a deer trail, you know, if you're hunting deer. Um, so there's these things that the Lord will drop, you know, to confirm, to bring you forward, whatever. And sometimes you get off on the wrong path, right? right. You hit a dead end. But it's <clears> not <throat> like God yep. forsakes you on it. You 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 just come back, okay, where, where did I get turned wrong? Come yep. back around, it, and you keep following the trail the next right. path. But you don't get the deer if you don't follow the path. That's right. Um, and a lot of people see faith, the walk of faith, as oh well, as long as I keep my head down and just you know do what I need to do to—I don't want to say live the American dream, but basically live the American dream—then they think they're covered. Yeah. But I think the the walk with God is a lot more personal. Exactly.
0: A lot more day to day. Absolutely. You know? And it is daily, and it's like I really do believe God. Is always telling us to do something. He's always asking, you know, always communicating with us. We're always, you know, if we're constant prayer, I believe the Holy Spirit does lead. And so when you see issues going on today, one of the things I didn't want to do was just bring up current events. I'm not a fan of talking about current events. I know that I need to. uh, But to me, a lot of the current events are starting off on the wrong foot. Whenever you see, uh, you know, President so and so do this, or Congress do that, or Supreme Court does this, a lot of it's unconstitutional. But the questions that they ask are, you know, the Supreme Court ruled on this. What do you think? It's not, is it constitutional or not? It's not, is it, you know, according yeah. to the founders' writings or not? It's, what do we think of it today? And that's where I think we've we've run away from the moral issues, because now we're starting to base a lot of the issues on what we think morality is and what we think is right, and precedence rather than, uh, you know, the actual text in the Scripture or the actual text of the Constitution. Yeah. And so, and it's... So let me let me ask you this, you know, because you and I have talked about that,
1: right? We've talked about like, I don't want to get in the weeds, I don't want to get into these little issues that Trump did this or Trump didn't do that. Like I'm, am honestly so tired of hearing his name because, like you said, we're not talking about constitutional issues. Uh, so the question is, it, how do you, yeah, you know, everybody asks you, right? How do you how do you change this? How do you get this back on track? And I know that's. That's a huge question to <laughs> ask. Is like, how do you <laughs> fix it? Yeah. You know, but world but, peace. You got wor- forty minutes. Yeah, Figure it out. You go. Know? You know, and everybody's got that opinion. Uh, but how do you how do you sit down and look at these situations and tell get somebody to think differently about it?
0: Like you know? this is going to sound so darn cliche. I, I know it's going to sound cliche, but you got to let me explain my point. So don't turn it off when you hear this answer. <laughs> Listen to the whole answer, okay? <clears throat> We've gone so far from the original text and the purpose of the text and who gave us the text of the Constitution, why the Declaration was written, why we read philosophers, why a lot of Christians and pastors started uh, yeah. and influenced this nation.
1: Yeah. When
0: you remove what Je- Thomas Jefferson said, the earl- the only firm conviction, uh, I'm sorry, the only firm basis of firm conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are a gift of God. Th- it sounds cliche, but... You cannot fix this situation outside of a miracle. Because when you look at how corrupt politics is, whenever I talk to people about getting into Senate or whatever, like all these things, immediately it's like you're told how to vote. You're, to- you're, you're told you can't do this or that. You better toe the line. If yeah. you want to get in position, you just got to shut up and sit down for four years. And then they move you up. So there's all this corruption and money and all these things. And it's in both parties. I don't know if people think that it's not in both parties, you're seriously like lied to and you're not opening your eyes, right? Yeah. So it's in both parties. It's in both sides of the structure. Do you know why? Because you never see the Republicans win, really. You never see them, <laughs> right? The Democrats always get their way, and the, the yep. Republicans are, like, following suit, right? So you never see, like, really a victory. You could say, man, you know, we're standing for moral issues. <clears throat> if God isn't the author of all things, then life is in our hands. Yeah. Then law is in our hands. Then feelings are in our hands. Then... Uh, morality, subjective, you know, it's, 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 it's no longer a standard anymore. It just changes with the times. Well, can I got to ask this question publicly? And I'll ask you this, Mike, has morality gotten better or worse over time? (laughs) So if morality is left in our hands, you laugh because it's true. Right. And we laugh because it's like, wow, that's, yeah, it's a, it's a good question, but it's really a simple question. You remove God you remove standards. You remove standards. You have no morality. You have no morality. Well, then what the heck? And people are like, well, oh, there's moral people. No, there's, there's decent people. There's good people. Decency is always going to exist in people. But that's because you have a conscience. We all know it's wrong to lie and to kill and all these things. We know inherently this is bad to do, right? But if we don't acknowledge the God who gave us that conscience, right, we won't understand what he's trying to teach us through that conscience. And so look at politics today. We ask our politicians, to go up there and represent us. But they don't even know the law, half of them, three quarters of them. They don't even read the Constitution because yeah. they pass bills in the middle of the night. They write these. And you know what's funny? I, I find this hilarious. Like, oh, we just passed a bill last night about this certain issue. And it's like rammed through Congress because they, they bring up, we need a bill to ban guns. Right. And so they pass a new provision, 3,000 pages written in literally two days. Mm -mm. They had that prep for a long time. So there's a progression that's happening, right? And these things are already in place. And the only ones that lose really in this whole equation and scenario is the American people. We're the ones losing, right? And so what is the answer? How do we fix it? Number one, we have to return to the God of heaven, not as a crutch, not as a crutch, right? But number one, that we could come back to him in repentance, see the miracles of him transforming something that happened 240 years ago. We needed his divine providence. We needed his assistance. Benjamin Franklin said, how can an empire rise without his aid? Right? If a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without him noticing, an empire can't rise without his aid, right? We need the divine providence structure. We need morality. We need good men to represent the people, to make sure that they're not power-hungry people, right? Like it says in Chronicles and all those things. And I think the less that we the less that we depend on God, we depend on ourselves. You know, the first people we get mad at is each other. Yeah. Well, but you, you put your trust in, in each other anyways, it, right? Exactly. Especially, you know, going back
1: to the boundaries thing, if we, don't have, if we don't have God setting up the boundaries, right? then we have to look to ourselves to set those boundaries. Well, you and I are going to set different boundaries. Sure. So when we look at each other, I'm holding you to my standard, you're holding me to your standard. Well, we're going to fail each other. That idea is very dangerous because we're watching it happen in today's society. Mm -hmm. We're watching everybody tearing each other apart because they're not fitting each other's standards. Yeah. Uh, And people look at us and say, oh, you want a theocracy? No, I want a moral and upright society. I want a society that, that really understands... God respects God, yeah. so that we're all on the same page. So even if you are an atheist, you go, okay, I
0: I understand that God gave me these rights, not the government. Right. Right? The second part to that is not just God, but what is he telling us to do to act on what we're supposed to do? So let me give an example. When you see, like, a government, for example, right, that's supposed to be a republic, that's supposed to be a constitutional republic, that's not supposed to provide for the people, that's under the people themselves, which is the pursuit of happiness, right? When you see a government do exactly what Christ... Christ, not God, Christ commanded us to do, to feed the poor. True religion and, under, you know, pure religion and defile is this, it says in James, right? That a man visit the fatherless and the, and the, and the widow and keep himself unspotted from the world. That is a command from Jesus, not from like God. This is, this, this is the New Testament we're talking about, right? That we're the hands and feet of him. That we're supposed to go out and provide for the poor. That we're supposed to go pray for the sick. We're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to do these things. But we're trying to get a government to teach me to love my enemies, so you see the liberal side of things saying but i need a law to make sure that you don't hate me jesus already told me not to hate you jesus already commanded me to love you even though you hate me right and so we're putting all of our trust in man and what makes us think that man is going to get us out of the messes that we put ourselves in we're the ones destroying our own selves and yet trying to figure out a way for us to get out of our things that we've destroyed ourselves in Right? You ever get into an accident before where you've been stuck in a vehicle? I have. Right? You know what? I needed help to get out. It's me, like, like me trying to create the jaws of life. Like, let me go in the back. I'm stuck in my car. Get the jaws of life out of my trunk and try to pull myself out of the car. It doesn't work. You're in a wreck. You're stuck. But We're stuck here now. In America, we are so stuck, right, with what's going on. And we keep trying to do these methods with... With politics. And you know what? We need to do more to reach the Hispanic base or the, the black base or the, you know, the conservative base or this base or that base. Or you can just shut up and follow the truth. You can just say the truth and walk in the laws and make sure to tell people this is going to sting a little bit, but it's the best thing for you. You will not be on a government program anymore because you're going to learn to provide for yourself and your family. You're going to break the curse in your life that you can't provide for yourself and your kids won't because I'm going to teach you how to do it. And that's the duty of the church. And I'm getting excited about it because to me, these answers are not only they're simple answers, but they're going to take work to do a lot of work.
1: And that's what where the problem comes in. I think that's what everybody is afraid of is that idea of work. You look at what our society is headed towards. Like everything we buy is to make our life easier. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But the problem is we're we're really forgetting the idea of putting forth effort. Uh, and people argue, well, we're you know we're still very hardworking people. Blah blah blah. Yeah, but we're watching that change. We're watching that culture, that society, that value yep. die out. Yeah, and what we're watching being replaced is not. Yeah, you know, but take, it's it's twofold. Take JFK, you yeah. know, like, we're no longer asking, what can I do for my country? It's, what is my
0: country going to do for me? N- right. Yeah. So, but to that, so we, we're creating a culture that doesn't want to work, right, by saying, well, you can just go get an office job, which is not enough of those jobs. We're saying, we're, we don't have enough jobs for the workforce. No, we just have the wrong jobs for the people going to college, yeah. right? So there's <laughs> plenty of welding jobs. There's <laughs> plenty of textile jobs, crane jobs, all these things. I mean, I believe a lot of kids, if they were exposed to that world, they would actually love it. That's you know what I mean? Well, and that's actually why you look at guys like Mike Rowe or oh, Jordan yeah. Peterson. Yep, yep, like, yep, yep.
1: There are <clears throat> hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of young men flocking to these type of people because their message satisfies something within them. Yeah. This every man wants of, to sweat. Wants to sweat. Yeah, and, work, and, and, right? and that's godly. Yeah. That's
0: godly to do. He said to do that,
1: you yeah. know. And that's, you know, so we're watching, you're watching a gap in these men, a a gap of wanting to get their hands dirty, work hard, get home after 12 hours of, of putting forth all the effort they have and going, I had a good day. That's right. I put something in that mattered. Um, And instead we have this whole shove to go into the liberal arts colleges, to go into office work, to go into this stuff and not saying that that stuff's bad don't get me wrong but having a lot of people sitting around a room talking about really abstract ideas is is a curse of our success as a society
0: right but well, i do think too it's twofold so we we create the culture of you know you can you can have it easy you can have it all you can just put it on credit whatever right yeah. so you don't have to work hard that's good but then there's a second thing right the government taking most of my wages and i can't get ahead so a guy works 60 hours a week right a lot of his tax, or a lot of his money's going to taxes, right? That literally he or she get upset about, right? So a lot of the money that they, they that the government collects goes to things that most people don't don't agree with, right? And so they can't get ahead, but they're working their butts off, right? What is the point in trying to work so hard if you can't get ahead? Yeah. What's the point in starting a business when you put in hundred hours a week, knowing there's so much red tape that you got to go through that I don't even want to deal with it. You know what I mean? Because it's so stressful. Just having a ministry, right? You have to produce a 990 at the end of the year. Not that I care about that, but you want to know my donors. You want to know what I spent it on. You know what? I'm cool with that, right? But then it becomes, well, if you don't fill it out, then you're not legal. Says who? Why am I put on trial? I don't know you. What's your tax returns? Can I see yours too, please? I'm serious. Like, why can't we say that? Why can't we? But the moment you do that, you're caught. And I don't want to cap on the IRS and stuff like that. I don't want to. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm saying is we've gone so far from the original republic. We've gone so far, you know, and people are like, we can't turn into socialism. We are kind of socialist right now. You know what I mean? And and it's because, and I got to go back to me, right? As a clergyman, if we don't do our duty before God, someone else will, and they may do it the wrong way. And there's plenty of them
1: that want to do that. Um, I was reading a story the other day talking about how, The DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America, they're pushing hard this agenda of getting their members into teaching roles and getting them into schools. Yep. Hey, as a as a plan, if you want to change society because you think your direction is the right direction, that's one heck of a good way to start. Right. Is and they're they're even offering like financial incentives to get the education needed in order to become a teacher. They're, they're pushing up, you know, the teacher unions and how, hey, no. we're, we're working with the teacher unions to get better pay so that you can get paid well to indoctrinate the kids. That's right. Right? Um, and I, I'm, I don't like the word indoctrination because every belief system does it. Every single belief system Agreed. wants to teach... The next generation, their belief system, because they believe it's right. So if you look at even the Democratic Socialists of America, objectively, they think what they're doing is right. Right. They think their ends are correct. Right. And they're like, we want utopia. Um, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, uh, yeah, I yeah, mean, and and we're doing the same thing, right? We're, but the, hey, the, I the,
0: I see the, this benefiting society right. in our way. Except you our know? utopia is my conscience. Yeah. True peace, happiness, prosperity is in my conscience first. If I can't have that, how does a man work? And I, I use this line a lot now, and I really want to change kind of what we're doing into the motto of, if I'm free in Christ, I should be free in my land. How can I have liberty in Jesus and not be free in the, in the natural? Yeah, That doesn't make sense, and you're not truly free. It's like the children of Israel knew that they were God's kids. That's why they cried out to God. But they were enslaved for 400 years. They couldn't even be God's kids. They couldn't walk in freedom. They couldn't prosper the they wanted to prosper. We're doing that now. Yeah. We're saying, man, I can't wait till that guy gets an office so he can throw us a bone as Christians and we can finally be free and do what we... When Christ commanded us to do it already, right? Here here we have... You know, and, and If I can go into scripture, 1 Timothy 2, it says there, Therefore I exhort first all supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all those who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness, Right? Godliness and reverence for this is good and, and acceptable in the sight of our God and our savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. And that man is Jesus who gave himself for a ransom from all and to, to, uh, to, be testified in due time. Right. Just listen to what he said there. I'm supposed to lead a quiet and peaceable life when I'm in Christ, but I make supplications and prayers for all men. Those that are in authority, right? For what? So I can be free. Yeah. So I can be me. So I can preach. Right. And it says, that, uh, who desires all men to be saved. Well, how in the world are all men going to be saved in this nation when I have a government system telling me you can't preach in a public square, which is absolutely false, right? You can't go into a public school and preach and bring a Bible, which is absolutely false, right? When that was the way we were established in the first place in 1782, our Congress printed a Bible for public schools. First book printed by Congress for public schools was a Bible, right? We, if we stray far from that, is it any reason that we're in this position? Right, I cannot be free. As as a Christian, if I'm not free in a government, there's no way in a system like this. And I know there's a lot of people who argue, oh
1: well, you know, it's it's the pressure that makes it flourish. It's not always true. Um, And people, well, look at China. The Chinese church is exploding. Well, if you look at the policies of China, yeah, they don't like religion, but they were pretty lax for a while, like yeah you could still go to jail but there was still kind of this well we're going to step back from yeah. it right if right. you look at the middle east you look at countries that used to be like all christian once the cru- the not the crusades the the um islamic movement the islamic conquest came through you have countries like lebanon that yeah there's no christians left in those areas right very small minorities. so you, are you telling me that that hundreds and hundreds of years of oppression has made Christianity flourish
0: in those areas? No. Right. And and no. why do we have to be so foolish to wait for that? Yeah. Why, when in this why, country we have the freedom of speech and the freedom to worship our God. Why why want oppression? That's exactly... Why are we looking for it? Carrie <laughs> talks about this all the time. It's like we created a, a system and a generation of people who love drama. Yeah. Like they almost look for it, and that's like... I'm afflicted because I have drama. No, you're afflicted because you're you're not doing the right thing. You're not obeying God sometimes, right? We say that it's the devil, and it's really not. It's us. We're eating the fruit of our own way, the Bible says. You know what I mean? So it's not really us, or I'm sorry, it's not enemies or anything like that. It's really you, you know, in a lot of ways. We can correct the system. You know what it's going to take? Sacrifice. And I don't know if people are ready to do that, right? When I look at our founders and we think, you know, we, we, on, on July 4th, we celebrate independence and we see these fireworks go off, right? And we hear the bombs bursting in air, ring a bell, Yeah. right? That celebration wasn't so that we could say, wow, cool, take pictures. Isn't that beautiful? It was to remind us of the bombs and the sacrifice that our men paid to us for us to have a nation to be free, that we declared independence during warfare. During warfare, we said, you know what? Because Boston was under attack and, s- and, other, and other colonies were under attack. And we still declared independence during the war. Yeah. That is spiritual. Yeah. During the war, I said, I'm free from this. I will not be under the oppressor anymore. That's See, revelation, dude. I yeah, love absolutely. this stuff, right? But we declare independence. We say and we, sing, and we sing these beautiful songs, right? But we don't even acknowledge the sacrifice. When we had a country, a lot of our founders were broke, they went dead, lost their families.
1: And that's what I was going to ask you is not just politicians or people, but you personally, like how many of us are really willing to sacrifice our family for an idea?
0: Unless, Think about there's, that. unless there's gain in it, no. Yeah. Because our founders knew they wouldn't get anything out of it. No. They, they knew there was a chance that their families would be raped, pillaged,
1: and murdered. And these guys stood up for an idea. And when we look at what they did 200 years ago, I really scratch my head going, how did this group of people come together all with this dedication to an idea? And they succeeded. And
0: they succeed. now By providence. That's exactly right. But that's character, man. Right. That's character. How many times do you see 56 men get into a room and actually agree (laughs) finally on something? (laughs) Right? Finally. Now, they may have disagreed on the methods. But they all knew independence was necessary at some point, right? Some of them said, no, we should stay with the motherland. Some didn't. But eventually they were like, look, we get it. This is going to happen. We were just trying to prevent it because war sucks, right? And it does. And it's going to hurt the states. And it's going to put us in debt and all these things. But it's like, if you could hear John Adams echo his words when he's like, but the end, but the end is worth more than all the means. It's going to cost us a great expense of blood, right? And he knew it. And he would break saying it because he knew that it was hell. And he knew his blood might be part of that. He knew it. His kids, you know what he saw? These men finally let go of selfishness. This has nothing to do with us. It is everything to do with our kids, our kids' kids, and the future. And if we could give them a system of government where they could be free to be men and, men and women of God, they could be free to be men and women of business, where they could be free, right? And we could go through all the other stuff like sins and the national sins and slavery and all that stuff, which, by the way, was a worldwide thing. It wasn't just in the States. This was a worldwide uh, phenomenon. Don't get me started. Right? <laughs> we can go on that on, on, another, on another time, right? Yeah. But the idea was even through sin, Even through warfare, they declared independence and still acknowledged God, right? The same thing we're doing today in America in churches. With all the sin going on, with all abortions going on, with all the crap going on, with a government tyranny, when the church finally says, we're done. We're done. We're done. (laughs) Yeah, When it says it's done, I think that's when we when we can die to this now, when we can finally say, it doesn't matter about my business. It doesn't matter about my job. It doesn't matter about any of this. I will obey God and I will step out and I will do it because he commanded me to do it. Even if I don't succeed because he didn't call me to succeed. He called me to be faithful. That's what he called me to do. He called me to be his follower, his disciple, a disciple who follows his voice, right? And if you look at other ministries in the Bible, they're great examples of a lot of failure in the man's eyes, in the world's eyes. It didn't matter about that with Paul or Christ. It mattered did they listen to the voice of God outside of success. And they did. They did their best. And we still read about their flaws, not so that we can continue those flaws. We can learn from them flaws so that we could succeed. This is what's so stupid. We think, oh, persecution, persecution, persecution. Dude, we live in a country where we have uh, a bill of rights that tells me from God that I can speak freely and not be oppressed for it. I'm free from a government oppression in the Fourth Amendment. I'm free to let the state that I live in run the government that I'm under. That's what the Bill of Rights says. I'm free to protect my house and my country because God gave me the right to defend myself. I'm free. We have a Bill of Rights that says that. And we're sitting here saying, well, persecution is in the Bible. It's supposed to happen. It was never supposed to happen. Our founders wanted to stop that because they knew if we could do it and we could keep the system of government, our kids wouldn't have to fall in the same persecution they did. And now we're doing it again, right? That's where I think more and more I get upset and, and frustrated and like, Lord, forgive me for being upset. But I think sometimes it's like there's no other way to say it than sometimes to like, Lord... I ain't cried out to you for 400 years. I'm only 37. But I didn't, I didn't ask for this. I was born into this, right? But I'm not going to complain about the car I was given. How do I fix it? No. I'm not going to complain and get mad and, you know, figure out another mechanic to fix our problems like Congress and presidents, right? Um, so, I mean, there's, there's, a lot to set to, there's a lot to be said about how to fix this. The bottom line is it's going to take us obedience to God and work. We are going to have to get dirty, we're going we're gonna to have to sometimes sacrifice a lot so that this can get back on track. And you know what that might do? That, you know what that might do, Mike? It might teach our kids to be unselfish in this country again. No. <laughs> it, might, it might teach my sons that they have to be men and provide for other people, right? Because that's our Christian duty. It may teach my sons how to be fathers. It may teach our daughters how to be good mothers, good wives, good, good citizens of society because we help each other under one common banner the glorification of God because when you do things for for Christ it's not always fun glamorous and gl- and glorious you know what you may never get recognition how many martyrs die every day for the cause of faith in in other third world countries and we never hear about them yeah. you may never get known for what you do right but the fact remains that your conscience is clean before God and you can stand before him and he can say of you well done thou good and faithful servant enter and, thou into the joy of the lord right and i think there's
1: there's a couple of things with that um to separate yourself from selfishness is big. Um, to be able to not have the attitude of me first, which is extremely hard for us right. today. Extremely hard. I know I battle with it every day when I'm trying to do stuff for the Lord. It's it's that thing that creeps in of me first. Uh, to go along with that, you know, in my fatherhood video on the Eternal Agora page, selfless plug... Um, Go for it. So one of the things he's I said. Taking
0: donations too, y'all. Yeah,
1: anybody who wants to donate. Yeah, I'll, he's taking donations. I'll take coffee for Aries' houses. Whatever Praise you want to give. Amen. <laughs> God wants me to have a jet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut that out. We'll oh, no, keep it. Keep it.
1: <laughs> um, so so uh, one of the. Where's things, my Lambo? One of the. Yeah, yeah. I I know God promised me this. So one of the things I said was the hero worship of the downtrodden. And I, I know it'll probably catch flack because people are like, well, the downtrodden, they are heroes. They're, they're brave. They're this, they're that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we've created this idea that being downtrodden, that being a victim is something you need to be. That it's something that unless you're a victim or downtrodden, nobody's going to consider you important. And so it's the back to that selfish thing of, oh, well, once I'm a victim, then I'll be important. Then I can throw my weight around. Then I can get what I need. Mm. Instead of, I need to work hard. I need to push forward. I need to be selfless and follow the standards that God has put down right. for me and let God control the results. Right, amen. Yeah. And And too often we get caught up in this idea of, Who's the bigger victim?
0: That's, that's right. And I mm-hmm. believe people won't step out because they don't trust God for the results. Absolutely. They trust themselves. They won't step out because it's like, I may fail. Doesn't matter if you fail. What does God say? Yeah. It matters what God says to you, right? I'm going to read you guys um, part of a letter that John wrote to Abigail uh, on July 3rd, 1776, and I believe it was right after the declaration. And <clears throat> I want you guys to listen to this. Um, this is... Uh, John Adams is my favorite of all time historical character for America... I believe he is one of the most unsung heroes in history. Um, I believe without him, we wouldn't have had men like John Adams, or I'm sorry, Thomas Jefferson, and all these guys do the things that they did because he was just an architect of it. But he said this, I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be, uh, it ought to be commemorated. As the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to Almighty God. He's talking about July 4th, 1776. He's talking about independence, uh-huh. yeah. right? A day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. Who's, what God is he talking about? He's talking about God of the Bible, man. It's like, it says this, it ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows and games and sports and guns and bells, bonfires and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other from time forward forevermore, forevermore. They believe this would succeed forever. No. Right? So let's have fun. Let's celebrate. Let's do these things. You know, have grill and hot dogs and. Yeah. How long were weddings no, for Jewish culture, right? That's right. That's it's right. More than a day. That's right. And he said this You will think me transported with youth, uh, enthusiasm. He said, You will think me transported with enthusiasm, but I am not. He said, I'm well aware of the toil and blood and treasure that it will cost us to maintain this declaration and the support of the defense of these states yet through all that yet through all the gloom i can see the rays of ravishing light and glory i can see that the end is worth more than all the means and that po- and that posterity will triumph in that day's transaction even although we should rue it which i trust in god we shall not you know i think i think that I, I can't you can't solve the world's problems in, in 8 minutes you know i i love i love radio i love these things right this this is a process this isn't just us yelling at the camera or getting mad at liberals and pointing out the ills and getting mad at republicans for not doing their job or pointing our finger at the church or saying, you know, where's the church? Where's the body? Unless we do this, it ain't going to be this. It's really not about that. It's, can we just shut up and just do our job? No. Can we just shut up and do our job? Right? Can we do all that God has called us to do and more? Can we say, I'm going to go the extra mile because Christ went the extra mile for me. He carried his own stinking cross. He didn't just die on it. He carried his own cross. If this was not toil and work, why would God compare it or Jesus compare it to sowing seeds in a field and reaping a harvest? This is work, back-breaking work, dude, because at that time they had plows and oxes, man. They didn't have these sweet machines that have GPS that run around (laughs) (laughs) in circles. I mean, that's what we (laughs) have today. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. We've now turned the gospel into that. The GPS, I could just plug it in, God will do it for me, and I'm done. Wow, that's good. Right? That's a good point. How many men would appreciate the farm even more if they had to do it getting out of the truck and being behind an ox and appreciate the value of the work of their hands? I'm not saying that farmers don't appreciate it. I'm saying how, many, how much more would we appreciate it? How much more do I appreciate all the work and the toil for self-evident, for example, three and a half years and God's blessed it. And we've continued to move through all the trials, through all the hell, through losing everything once, twice, actually, losing everything, and God replacing it all for me being in this position, right? I cannot appreciate what I have if I didn't go through the trial and work through it and have to process through it. And all those sleepless nights and all the times that you're crying in your sleep, all the times that you're screaming at God, all the times you're punching the wall because you don't understand what's going on. You can never appreciate until you've been through the trial. You can't, you won't. That's where I think we're lacking. We put God on a GPS system instead of us actually doing our due diligence and figuring this out ourselves. Can't do it. Can't do it. Freedom was never maintained by cowards. Cowards will never keep it. They won't. Cowards. And I got I to gotta say this quote. <clears throat> I remember I read a quote from Samuel Adams, and I don't preach on this because it's very hard to hear, but I will say it here because I want this to echo in what we're talking about. Samuel Adams. How do we know Samuel Adams today? <laughs> Beer. Right? Right. <laughs> but, you know, he he was, again, one of those guys, he was like a he was like a, a, a Patrick Henry, you know, like they, they would sound the alarm of freedom. That's just who they were. They, very eccentric. They You know, whatever. That's just what they did. He said this. If you prefer wealth rather than liberty, and if you prefer tranquility over the animated contest of freedom, go from us in peace. He said, we ask not your counsels or your arms. He said, crouch down and lick the hands which feed you. May your chains sit lightly upon you, and may posterity forget that you are a countryman. Like, think about it, right? Yeah. So we have Americans in this country that say, we should deport the illegals. Completely agree. I think that there is this issue of illegal immigration, Right. That should be handled. I'm not saying that I agree with deporting everyone. I, I, I mean, I can't begin to grasp on how to fix all this, right? Because, again, it's like, again, inheriting this car that's worth $3 million, but it doesn't start. Well, fix it. Okay. Um, I have to troubleshoot. I have to figure out what's wrong, right? I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it's deporting all 12 million of them. I don't know. if it, I don't know. You know, I don't know what the answer is to this. But I do know there's a problem, right? But how many of those Americans those citizens, know the Constitution enough to educate those same people who are illegal? They're not American. They weren't born here. Well, does being born here make you an American? Or does being an American and knowing our system, our standards, our laws, our cultures, and who we are make you an American? That's it. very
1: important. Uh, it's become citizen is purely by where you're born. 200 years ago, that was not the case of what the idea of a citizen is.
0: That's going back to this quote. Yeah. Just because you're here doesn't mean you're an American. Doesn't mean you want to fight the way we want to fight for independence. Just because you're here, go from us in peace. Deuces, man. Check out all these people that want socialism. Go find a socialist country, bro. Why do you want it here? Well, it's a utopia. Is it working in other countries? Is it? All those other countries are getting money from us. We're giving them money. Other countries are giving them money. That's why it works. We're in debt because we're giving them money to survive because of their socialism. We're in debt because we're doing socialism here because we're providing for things we cannot afford. I mean, imagine, Mike, you and I, having a bank account for self-evident. And we're writing checks like crazy, right? Because we need stuff. I need more. I need a bigger, better board for this podcast. And it's going to cost me $12,000. So I go write a check I don't have the money for. it, But somehow the bank rolls it to me. And eventually it goes so high where I'm $2 million in debt for a podcast, my family, my house, my car, my things. And then doesn't the bank eventually say, well, we can't extend you any more credit, Mr. Compost. You don't have the means to provide for it, blah, blah, blah. And the government can literally vote on raising a debt ceiling to give to other countries that are doing the same thing. We would never be allowed to get away with this and yet they're doing it. You know what I mean? So I look at other countries and other systems and we have the best system available if we can return to its original roots, right? Where men are free, government's only purpose is to secure rights. That is it. Nope. That's it. And and I want to be careful
1: on mixing that with the idea of capitalism, but you brought up socialism. It just, for a thought, thought experiment, right? You, you have all these countries that people are like, oh, you know, they're it's Scandinavian countries. Oh, they're socialists. Well, not technically. They're social democracies, which means they've mixed capitalism with some socialist ideas. But one of the things nobody talks about is these countries started on the capitalism train. They started on the free market train, they started on the Liberty train, and around 1960s. so for some of them, I think it was earlier for the other ones, like 1930, 1940, they started instituting these policies, and you watched their growth start to go down, their deficits start to go up, and several of these countries are now having to swing the pendulum back. That's right. They're starting to go, okay, we can't afford this anymore, so we've got to start opening up the free market, and people forget that it's, it's this idea of liberty that produced success. That's right. You know, the, the stats that capitalism is the thing that has slashed poverty around the world. Why? Because liberty. People are free to do what they need to do and allowed to keep the fruits of their labor. If I tell you to go dig in my yard, I say, you need to go dig in my yard, Right, and not because you're Mexican, but I mean, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it works for this point. But it
1: works for this point.
0: I am full blooded Hispanic, by the way, but I'm an American. I'm saying my culture yeah, is Hispanic, I say Hispanic, but I'm an American, right? So I'm I'm here. I love our laws. I love our land. I love what we represent uh, to the world. I just think we're super misguided right now, and it's not just from me. It's from our writers and early uh, founders and the Federalist Papers and all these things that you could just see. There's just a big miss guidance going on. And and I love because we, uh, hold your point. I love how people say that the Bible's antiquated and it doesn't make sense to today. You've never read it. I love how people say the constitution doesn't make any sense. It's irrelevant. You've never read it. it. You've never read it because all the constitution does is restrain government. All the Bible does is restrain inward man to love God. And the constitution causes me to love my country because the government is doing its job and I'm doing mine as a patriot and as a person. Which, if you go back to boundaries, who's a happier person? The person who has boundaries and discipline
1: or the person who is completely hedonistic? Yeah. You may have short-term pleasure, but if you're drinking every day, drunk every day, your life's a mess. That's right. And you know it. That's right. Um, but to get back to the, Sorry. the exam... No, you're fine. Uh, if I ask you to go dig in my yard, you're going to expect something in return, right? Of course. Right? You're, you're not fruit just of my labor, fruit man. Fruit of your labor. You're not just working that's worthy free. of a hire. Yeah. That's your personal, uh, this idea of property. Your, your work is part of your property. That's right. You've produced it. Now, if I turn around and say, well, I'm not paying you for that. And I'm also going to take the finished product of what you've done. Let's say you're planting me a tree. Oh, this is my tree. And I'm not paying you. I've robbed you twice. I've robbed you of the tree that you put work in to put into the ground, and I've robbed you of the at least the transaction or the pay. And when we get further and further into these socialist policies, what, what the government is doing is saying, your work, hey, you have to do this work for me. Oh, by the way, I'll tell you how little I'm going to pay you. Well, no, it should be a free transaction. Exactly I say, it. look, I'll do this for $50. Mm-hmm. Okay, agreed then then I've had control over it. Mm-hmm. And why is it that we're so adverse to having freedom of control over our property, over ourselves, over our production? Why is that so scary for us? Why do we want so badly to say, no, the government needs to control how much I ask you for?
0: That's right. That's right. Do, is there regulation needed? I think in certain instances,
1: Certain, yes. but I mean, it's like, yeah.
0: isn't regulation purely a form of like lawlessness? The only reason we need to regulate is because people are being lawless? Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, why not just punish them for the lawlessness instead of having all these regulations? Like, if we crack down on lawlessness and sin, right? So like, if you have people hiring illegal immigrants, right? Well, we need to regulate that business so that they don't do that. Or you could punish the crap out of them for doing it so that other businesses don't do it. I mean, to me, it's like... God is very good to me. He's never repaid me to my face my sins, King David said, and I'll preach that to I heaven. Yeah. God is so good to me. But I have eaten the fruit of my sin. It sucks. Right. I know what it's like. Consequence of sin. Consequence of sin. Consequence <laughs> of whatever. Um, I, I, do, I do know what it's like to uh, eat crow, if you will. You know what I mean? When you're wrong about something, then you get corrected. And those, those things hurt. I know what it's like to to have and not have right? Because of stupidity and and my choices. But I at least understand I'm not going to touch that again. I can't do that again, you know? And I think if we just continue to do this trend of, well, if we can just regulate it, if we can just keep putting more laws in, like, there was a recent thing that got passed by the VA, the VA Accountability Act. It's like, shouldn't the VA already be accountable? Isn't that kind of like, duh? You know, that's, that's what I'm saying. We have all these things that regulate, but yet that's just common sense. Shouldn't all the people that weren't being regulated or accountable be fired? Why do you need another bill for that? Like what did that do?
1: <laughs> yeah. I I guess the question is is the regulation that that way to produce that consequence? Right? So let's let's take um pollution. Right. Yeah, if a company is dumping toxic waste into the water, we need a, and we don't have a law or a regulation for that, then under the idea of freedom and liberty, oh, well, they're allowed to do that. Right Now, I what I think you're getting at, and I agree, is we need to enforce and uphold the regulations and laws that we do have. Yes. And have fewer of them and enforce them like they're supposed to be so we don't have to build more. Yeah.
0: So yeah, it's like the Bible says, "I shall not lie." God said, right? But that's just like him saying, also fibbing, also exactly. gossip, also this, yeah. also that, and this and that. Matter of fact, now you should only be able to talk from nine to five. I and mean, that's <laughs> kind of what regulations are, right? Just yeah. to prevent you from lying, I'm going to make sure you only talk this much. So you better choose your words carefully. Yeah. Right? Or I can be free, obey this law. It says, "Thou shalt not lie." Ask for revelation from God, and He tells you in your heart. Gossip is wrong. Fibs are wrong. Right. Slanding your brother is wrong. You know, falsely reporting that's wrong. Duh. Right. Duh. I don't need you to have regulation on me. And I feel that that's what religion's done in government. Religion has done that as well. Where we put these rules on people. Well, it's like keep yourself unspotted from the world. So let's wear these, you know, hems and garments and long dresses. And don't put makeup on your face because you're going to tempt your brother. Or I could ask God for the grace to look at you as a sister. And you're beautiful with makeup on or off. I don't care. You know what I mean? That's great. But we do this like rule thing in ourselves because if we feel like if we can put more restraint on our flesh, it won't happen. Or we can walk in the spirit and not do the works of the flesh, the Bible says in Romans. You know what I mean? So there's this spiritual nature of the law that we don't even talk about. You know, the Constitution, again, I'll I'll say it, was written to restrain government. But then they go, well, the government, you know, the Constitution doesn't say this, though, so I can go do that. no. No, because it doesn't say it, it means you can't touch it. You know, you know the, 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 the Bible says, uh, uh, you know, thou shalt not kill. Jesus came back and said, but even if you hate your brother in your heart without a cause, right? Some of us will say, but I hate him with a cause. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we, we do this to ourselves. No, don't hate. That's the point. You well, know what I mean? And what
1: you're pointing out is exactly what the Jews did. Mm. They had ten, 10 laws, 10 rules, <laughs> 10 commandments. Well,
0: 600 and whatever, too.
1: That's what it turned into, right? Ah,
0: deep, dude So not
1: just respect the Sabbath But now it's, well, you can't walk more than whatever, three quarters of a mile That's so good So we, we start, and that's why Christ came and said, look, you're saying don't hate your brother They put this rule on it of like, oh, well, as long as I don't kill my brother, I'm okay Christ was saying, no But I can hate him, yeah Yeah, I can hate him, that's fine notice the the switch of that yep. rule yep. like, as long as I oh, do well, it the, externally yeah. it's all good internally because there, there's no rule that tells me I don't I can't hate him in my heart right. so I'm okay on that well no the the spiritual control of following Christ is no I can't hate my brother because is that right or wrong we all know in our conscience yeah I, I probably shouldn't hate
0: people <laughs> what well, too but hatred and those thoughts lead to Action. Action. It's one step away so, from action. So, so why even have the thought in your heart? That's why lust was prevalent. Rapes were pre- You know, all these things, because we had it in our hearts to do it in the first place when Jesus said, even if you look at a man or a woman to lust, you commit adultery. So he went right after it. Like, why even let this turn into an action? So to find the full video of this, it'll be uploaded on Tuesday every week. So we're doing a show every week until we see where it goes. If people want it daily, praise God, we'll do it as best we can but every tuesday you should look for it on our youtube page on self-evident youtube page as well as on itunes you'll find the podcast on itunes which is important uh again that's just another uh, avenue that we're running also you'll see clips on facebook like maybe little five minute clips of the show which kind of wets your beak a little bit and wants you to go uh and, and look up the the full entire show also we have a patreon page um that that you can subscribe on. And again, you can find details on that on our website, theselfevidenttruth.com. It'll be on the banner. You'll see the banner scroll across, and it'll be talking about our Patreon. Support us. We want to keep this thing going, right? We're not asking you for a ton of cash, uh, but we are, right? We got to keep it going. Uh, And so I know that there's a lot of things you may support, right? And all I'm telling you is this. This is really good fertile ground. What I'm going to tell you is we've seen fruit a lot from this. Uh, going out and preaching. And this is just another avenue for us to do that. I ain't asking you for money for me. I'm asking you to help us continue this. Um, And so please go on our Patreon page. If you want to donate, please go online and do that as well. There's a little donation tab and you can earmark that for the podcast itself or just because you want to help and support Self-Evident. Guys, listen, all we're about here is just the truth and love and we want to love people. And um, I'm going to say this, we're really intent on loving and discipling and sending people. And we want you guys to be able to have these answers to go into the world. So God bless you guys. Thank you for watching. And uh, hopefully, again, keep in contact with us. Whatever you guys want to hear and talk about, we'll do that. God bless you. We'll see you soon. Which leads us into point number three of why self-evident started. What was the point? What was the purpose? Because there's groups out there that do kind of what we do. But the third purpose was to make God known who he is, his character his structure, why he's still a God of miracles. He's still the God of faith and favor. He's still the God of heaven. He's the creator of all things. But the gospel of his son, the gospel of the kingdom, right? How that translates into today's society. The gospel of the kingdom of God, right? That the kingdom of, of, of heaven might be here on earth as he taught his disciples to pray. The number one avenue to that, though, is the gospel, right? And without Christ, we don't have access to the Father, these people that we reach or kids that we go to, a lot of them don't know Christ. And so we're talking Chinese to them a lot of times because they're like, what? God, what? I hate God. Blah, blah. It's like, so the purpose of it was to preach the gospel to every creature. That is what the mandate that Christ gave us to do it wasn't to fix governments. It's not what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to just establish and go back to what we said we would do in the, in the, in the Republic. Fighting for something God gave us, I believe. The main effort in all of this is souls. We want to see souls saved, dang it. And why not? Why can't we? Why can't we go into public schools? Why can't we go into colleges? Why can't we go into all the world and preach the gospel? What is holding all of us back from preaching the gospel? So it's to really make Christ known. We really believe God still moves. He still speaks um, according to scripture. You know, he doesn't say anything that's not that's contrary to scripture. And uh, so the, the purpose was to preach and to save souls and to set men free and to have people find peace through, through God, our father, or with God, our father, through the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul always wrote in his epistles. And so the gospel is so important because it changed me. It transformed me. It changed my life. And then I saw, man, how do we apply the gospel to, to, to the world? Now, how do we apply it to our situation? How can we be a light in a dark place? How can we see darkness and then just say, well, Jesus is coming back soon <laughs> like it's yeah. so dark, Jesus is coming back, and it's like, yeah, you don't know that. It says he's coming back soon, but you don't know when. These signs shall follow, blah blah blah, dude. They've been having wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, tsunamis, tornadoes, snowstorms, all this stuff for years, years. You know, we don't know when he's coming back. Who the flip cares? Get busy and save souls. You know what I mean. And if if you're praying for Jesus to come back tomorrow,
1: how much do you really care about your neighbor who's not saved? Ooh. I, I had Stinger. A, I had a talk with with one of our young adults the other night, and he and I were talking about that, and I said I said that it, it kind of frustrates me when people are like, I hope Jesus comes back soon. Well, hey, I want to see Jesus too, because <laughs> then we don't have any of the suffering that we're going through. right? But at the same time, I really care about the people who aren't saved, because if I actually believe that God... Is real and Christ is true, boy, that changes the game. Changes the game. That means I can't worry about offending somebody That's because right. they have different beliefs. Hey, I respect them. I love them. I have grace for them. But that doesn't mean
0: that I don't say, hey, I think Christ is the way for you. Not, well, you do you and I'll do That's the right. Way. Then, too, like in the society where people are trying to find their purpose, trying to find out who they are, like we have identity issues, yeah. right? Gender identity uh, work identity, male, female identity, uh, husbandry, identity, wife identity, identity issues everywhere. Am I really a Christian? Who am I in Jesus? It's all this identity. And it's like, if you could just figure out God made you in his image, he created you for a purpose, not to destroy his will, to be a part of his will. We submit to God in all things, right? Submit to the Lord, resist the devil, he'll flee, right? So our job is to, uh, to do the will of the Lord. And what does that look like? And if your lifestyle doesn't align with scripture, are you his? And that's really the question. It's not that you question eternity or anything like that, but are you his if your lifestyle doesn't align with scripture? Were you ever really saved? And that's, I think, the question that we need to keep asking. If you're not obeying God's commandments, right? And we all fall. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is like, if your heart is not like David in constant repentance, where it's like, I'm crying and striving after the things of the Lord, right? And I want to be pure and free from sin. Right, more where the where, uh, sin is no longer a stronghold in your life, right? It's just it's it's a byproduct of things, and it just happens. But it does your lifestyle align with the scriptures? Is your gospel? Is your, is your is your tongue becometh the gospel of Jesus? Are you always uh see uh you know speaking with grace, seasoned with salt? Are you willing to stand for the things of the Lord? Not be conformed to this world, right? There's a lot of things, and like I'm not saying that again. You have to wear like dresses and you know, slacks and button-up shirts to come to church. Man, look, man, if you you guys can see me on the video, I have a black shirt on, I've got straight-up, like, sweatpants on, I've got sandals, and i got a tattoo in my arm. You know what I mean? I'm not saying, but it's like my lifestyle, what I do, I encourage brethren to come to Christ. I encourage people to be always in Christ. My duty is to do that as a Christian, right? Can we encourage the world? Can we see the world get saved. And how many does that look like? The Bible says there are few that be that find the straight gate. Few, right? Is it kind of scary? I'm not going to go into that. I'll just say this, that there's so much going on in this world. We all know in the church, the answer is Jesus Christ. How many of us are willing to talk about that? I heard, uh, I just reposted a message by John Vivier where he said, the church is the problem. And I was like, please, not another bashing session. But he turned it. He said, but we will not allow that to happen. And I will make it my life's mission to turn the ship around so that this nation can return to God again. We can do this. That's how he turned it around. It was the church isn't doing it. We, We haven't been the example. That's why you see lawlessness. He goes, I've never seen lawlessness at the rates that it's happening. But we can do this. That's how he turned it. It wasn't just pointing the issues. It's how can we do this together? I'm here with you in the fight. Let's go do this thing. Yeah. Right? You have the Francis Chans of the world where they had big old churches. And now they're like, but was it really about that? Or was it about Christ being demonstrated on this earth? Was it about us getting outside of the walls and really being the church and being who got you? You joked about it with Carrie before the show, but like the church is the body, right? It is. It's not just the building, right? The building's great. Shoot, I love the building. We're in an air conditioned building. It's thinking right, man. I love it. But that is not the church, right? Just because they come here and sing songs means nothing if your lifestyle doesn't align to Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, right? Not follow yourself because you think that's what Christ is. And and I think that that's where I think a lot of us have missed it, but we can do this. I believe that's why this podcast and the ministry was created to show people there is a way that you can be a light in this dark world. It's not difficult. It's just obedience. That's and, all. And you might—it's obedience. You might be
1: called to go into the office every day.
0: Yeah, Maybe you might.
1: That's your calling for
0: twenty years. Totally. We're here to encourage or you to say work a welding job or, or work a welding job. Or, you know, working a—I don't know, whatever. Well, but
1: and you and I, you and I have talked about you know you when you were at the welding job or when you've worked construction, you've been that light. People have seen it, and people have started to watch their language or change the music. And not because you're asking them to or, or saying, you sinners, you heathens, but they they respect your standard. They respect your faith. And opened up conversations to have with other guys yeah. about who Christ is and why your life looks different yeah. from everybody else. So maybe somebody's calling is to go into the office every day and push papers. Right. Because there's people sitting around them in cubicles that need Christ just as much. That's Right. You know, and and I, I want people to be encouraged in that fact of sometimes your daily walk is just getting up and going to work. That's being obedient and seeing the opportunities to talk about Christ to other
0: people and love on other people in a Christly way. Right. I think, too, being, you nailed it there, I think, too, being the light of Christ not only exposes us who we really are, right, but it, it creates a shadow. Too many times, though, I think us as the body of Christ focus on the shadows of the person, the effects of the person, not on what the light is actually trying to show us about the person. Yeah. You think about it, right? That's good. We focus on the shadow. We focus on the after effect of the person. And, oh, look at that light. Look at at the way their lifestyle is. They must be bad people. Well, I think maybe the light's out to expose them so that they can be good people. Like, there is that true saying, you cannot judge somebody until you've been a mile in their shoes. Well, I don't need to walk a mile in someone's shoes to know that drugs can kill. But why do we stop there? You know what I mean? Why do we look at them in the situation that they're in instead of where they're going? Why can't we see where they're going and then point them to that direction and point them to Christ and say, I see where you can be as a leader. You may go beyond that, but I see, dude, if you obey and just get rid of this stuff and like go to God and let him deliver you from this, you can actually be something that, that God created you to be. You can be who God made you to be a minister of the gospel, and a good husband. And I'm using men as an example because I'm a man, right? You know, there's a lot of things happening with feminism these days and all that stuff. I just believe it's because men, uh, in, a, in a lot of ways, and my wife will interject about women and how women need to be women as well, but I'm just going to speak for me in my malehood, right? That if you're not a leader, nobody will follow. And a leader doesn't mean an iron fist. A leader doesn't mean coming in there all, you know, machismo. That is not leadership. Leadership is servanthood. I serve you, right? If we don't do that, nobody will ever follow because all it is is like it's a dictator. People don't want dictators in their life. You know what people want? Love. They want acceptance. They want courage. They want strength. They want So show those things and be a leader. And I believe that's where marriages will change. That's where fatherhood will change. If I teach my kids how to be courageous and to be giving, and to be loving, and all those things. So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, again, self-evidence started, but that's just one of the, the the main foundational reason was the gospel. We knew the world was dying. I use this a lot. Every, I think it's like two and a half hours in America, this is on the suicide stats, um, a kid commits suicide in this country. Why? How in this country don't you have hope, the most prosperous nation in history? We don't have hope. That is... Because it proves prosperity is not hope. Prosperity is not happiness. It proves, and when the, when when they wrote about the pursuit of happiness, it had nothing to do with money. It had everything to do with a pure conscience before God. You know how I know that most every state constitution talked about it. Washington talked about it in his farewell address. The Bible talks about having joy and joy unspeakable, right? Not because of your current situation, but because of who Christ is something. Pastor Todd, my pastor here at Revived Church, said to me yesterday. He said. A good leader keeps, a good pastor keeps his eye on the kingdom and points everybody to the kingdom. That keeps everybody in vision. It was so good how he said it, and I I hope I didn't butcher that, but he said, it's the vision of the kingdom of God that keeps you focused on doing the right thing in the eternal thing, not the temporal thing, but the eternal thing. So you can't enjoy things now, certain things, but eternally, you're going to look at the, the perspective, right? So would I like to own a business? Sure. Would I like to make a million bucks? Absolutely. Because I love money, you know? Well, I don't love it, but I like it, right? And you can buy stuff. It's kind of nice to have. It's kind of nice to have. But in the end, in the end, right, do we have Christ at the center of all things? And I think that, that that's, again, the reason self-evidence started. Also, to pointing people to their calling. Pointing people to, our, to to their calling. A lot of people, you know, it's funny because in church today, we... I. I You you see people come up for deliverance. You see people come up for for prayer and all those things, right? But you know what the number one question we get when we go to church is? How did did you know what your calling was? How How did you know?
1: How do I find my calling?
0: Yeah. How did you know how to obey God? Like, did he tell you what your calling was? Because I think people, I think they like getting the goosebumps and, and coming to worship and all these things. But it's their purpose, and I'm not going into the purpose-driven life stuff, I'm, you know, whatever. If you, if you dig that stuff, great. But I'm saying that it's not that. It's what did Christ, what did God make me for? What was I destined to do? Why am I here, right? And people are looking for that. They want a purpose. So like you just said, if you're supposed to be a house mom and you feel peace there and that's what God's called you to do, you're supposed to labor with your kids and be at home, praise God. If you're called to own a business, amen. We need more of you, right? If you're called to work, and be a good worker and a good steward and and a good, uh, uh, you know, servant, praise God, go do it. If you're called to be a minister, praise God. If you're called to be a pastor, praise God, go do it, right? If you're called to plant flowers, I say this a lot too, plant flowers in the name of the Lord and save souls, praise God. Go do those things. As long as your conscience is right, as long as what God has called you to do, you're at peace with God, right? And I can promise you this, the calling of the Lord is always the hardest thing to do. That's, that's something that I think it we, you.
1: we, yeah, we, and we want to stress in an encouraging way, obviously, is it's not just if you're called to be a housewife, be a housewife, but being able to follow the calling of God in day-to-day events, the things that stretch you and scare you, but you know, you need to do. Right. Because you could be that housewife hanging out with another housewife and her marriage is shambles. Right. What's God calling you to do there? You <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I did want to talk about Tom Brady a little bit, but um, hang on, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it, that's pretty much my point, though. Is is don't rest on your laurels. That's right. Yeah.
0: Which I, dude, everything you're saying, everything you're saying is right. How how can we be a light in the dark place? Right. And not be conformed, but be transformed. Right. Yeah. Um, And I think that. Yeah. How can we. The the point is, how can we be not conformed, but transformed and and, and really see others be transformed in this country? Right. So on to sports. (laughs) Who's going to win the Super Bowl, which I kind of want to say that at the beginning, this this is. All things Christianity. This is all things sports. This is all things. Yeah. Hey man, it's gonna be fun. You know, that's, I want to talk
1: about all this, and that's what I want too—is just freedom to talk about whatever. Yeah. You know, where we can just sit back because I think, I think the first couple of podcasts are going to be more like this, just because we have so much to get off our chest. But as we get that stuff out of the way, it'll it'll relax. We'll, more we'll include into that in the intro. Then of stuff. Yeah. You know, you
0: know self evident a podcast that blah blah blah. We'll cover. Current events, we'll cover politics, scripture, sports. Yeah. All things guys, all things girls, we will cover it. You know, yeah. Anything we want to talk about, let's yep. talk about. Emphasis on guys and girls, not <coughs> trannies. <laughs> all right. <laughs> moving on. You want to keep going? Yeah. Right. Real quick, what? Yeah, moving on. You said you wanted to bring up Tom Brady for what?
1: I don't know. I just, I think he's a curious case in the NFL. Because you have people that go, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady. You know.
0: Yeah, and they forget, like, Joe Montana.
1: Yeah, that's one Brett thing that bugged me is we forget so quickly about Montana, Young, Bart Starr, Brett Favre. Like, these were legends, man. Dan Marino. Are we ready to just get rid of these guys?
0: Well, I don't know. But I think, like, if we could just take let's take an example real quick like if you have like a um you know tom brady what i love about his story is it's like if you could take it to spiritual matters he was a six-round draft pick nobody wanted him in college nobody wanted him really um but every single time they were in trouble they'd call on tom to get him out of it and they couldn't see the heart if we could catch this in a spiritual sense this is christianity he's there's no way that dude is a christian he doesn't even look like a christian he doesn't do it But does he do the things that Christ does? Look at Christ. Like John the Baptist, for example. You know, you and I, if we can be honest with ourselves and any Christian out there, right? If we can be honest with ourselves, if you were walking past a forest and you heard this dude screaming to the top of his lungs, (laughs) repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand, and he's wearing camel hair, eating locusts and wild honey, would you stop and listen to him? Forget Christ aside. Would you stop and listen to him? I guarantee your answer is going to be, nah.
1: Yeah. It's it's, weird. It's kind of like the guys on the street corners, right? We look at them and we go, oh, that's weird.
0: That's weird. Right. Well,
1: maybe they're strange because God's called them to be unique.
0: Unique and strange. Now, do they need to preach hellfire and brimstone? No. (laughs) I mean, but there are certain street preachers out there that really do preach law to Christ. you know, And and that's that's a good thing. And Ray Comfort and, and Living Waters, I love a lot. If you don't like him, that's okay. You know, we can disagree on that. But I do because they do bring a good balance, I think, of you know, the law of Christ, Christ, the law, John Wesley said. And um, so I think, and what that means is that last quote, the law of Christ, meaning the law makes me broken, makes me see my sin. I come to Christ, but Christ through his grace and power w- makes me want to keep and obey God's law. As David said, I, me- I meditate. Oh, I love thy law. Oh, I love your word. I meditate on it day and night, right? So it's that love that compels me to want to do these things. So back to Tom Brady, if you look at like his story, Nobody could see the gold that was in this kid. Yeah. But, but Bill Belichick looked at him. And not, again, through all the scandals and all that stuff, right? I'm a Patriots fan. Again, you may disagree with me. You may even turn off the show, but don't. Because I like hearing disagreements. I actually like hearing people's opinion. I like when they slam me about liking the Patriots, right? I just like winners. <laughs> uh, anyways, so Brady, six-round draft pick. Nobody wants him. 199th pick. Dude's won five Super Bowls, been to eight. The, the guy
1: has shown how to play with a chip on your shoulder better than anybody ever in the game. But it proves- I, I would almost argue in sports. Because remember after the whole deflate gate or whatever, I looked at you and I looked at Melissa and I said, Patriots will win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> they just put a chip on Tom Brady's shoulder. They totally
0: did. And what happened? They, they totally went did. and won it. Yeah, and I think, too, like, again, let's take it back to church matters. You look at a guy who was a six-round pick, was not chosen by anybody except the Patriots in, like, the 199th pick, right? He's rejoicing. He takes his opportunity. He runs with it. Some of us, I think, in churches question certain leadership over us, think there's no way that guy is supposed to be doing that. He doesn't have the skills. He doesn't have this or that. But if you're trusting the pastor and the visionaries and the elders of the church that the decision that they made was right, it's not up to you where this guy goes in the draft pick. They see something in him. They've prayed this through. They see a pattern of this guy's works or girl's works, and they're up on leadership. Can you trust the leadership that that person was putting there for a reason? And can you support the decision and pray for that instead of complain about it? Right? So it's like we picked this guy in the sixth round, right? But nobody's complaining about Tom now. (laughs) Right? They want to play with him. He's the greatest quarterback in history. Right? What if he had never had a chance to play? Would they have had the same confidence in him? I don't know. So it's like there's, there's these good like spiritual nuggets I think we can derive from. And is that a stupid excuse to watch football? Maybe, but I love football. So I look at Tom and I, and I look at the opportunity he had and he ran with it and he took it. And he still continues to study hard and still play in his 40s, right? And he's still really good at football and all these things. And it's like he's running his race. Can we run the race that Christ has called us to run even though we think we should be the quarterback of that? I could do better than that. I could do that. It's not on you. That's that person. That's who God chose. That's that's what you know, I gotta trust the coach. I've got to trust the coach. And so like I, I I look at his whole story and it's pretty intriguing to me. I I was a fan of Brett Favre. Still am. You know, I think um, he again, another unsung kind of quarterback, right? Everybody thought he was like a country bumpkin because when he went to Atlanta he didn't really play and when he did, he was drunk half the time, right? No. But then he got his act together, put himself through rehab and all these things, won a Super Bowl. Broke records, you know. He was in the league for twenty years, did all these things, but everybody looked at him. And you know, the one thing they said about him, you could never deny that he had fun. Or some people do it as a job, but this guy actually literally had fun. He was he was always so
1: loose, super loose, and a lot of people put that against him, right? They're, oh, he's too loose. He's too too reckless, too aggressive. It's because he was out there having fun. That's right. He was enjoying his job. He was taking chances because he didn't get. Uh, paralyzed Mm -hmm. by fear, just go for it, see what happens.
0: You know, what we should do is have Zach in here in the sports sections because he's so good at it, you know. That would be cool. But, like, think about it now. Let's go back into the sports thing, right? So, we're talking about people we admire. Look at these contracts now. Can you imagine the contracts these guys back in the day got? You're gonna play for 10,000 bucks a year, but you better produce the way Brady is. you know what I mean <laughs> And now we got quarterbacks signing deals that are like 30 million bucks a year, 25 million bucks a year. that's like seriously we were talking about this the other day you know driving through the, the yep. t- driving to Sears. Shameless I, I didn't mean to plug Sears. We were driving to a store. Mike and I were talking about you know the contracts and, and how much money these guys are costing and it's like this precedent if one guy if the quarterback gets this this quarterback better get this. And you know what they always say? Well, it wasn't about the money for me, baloney. You would have signed the contract then if it wasn't about the money. Uh, you know they're holding out here. Of course, it's about the money. Of course, you know that's a stupid thing. But is it worth it? You know, we're, we're you know it's funny how we'll look at a guy who plays football, professional football, get paid twenty five million a year. But if a pastor makes more than fifty thousand, there's something wrong with him. Isn't that strange? Isn't that weird
1: the and you and I have talked about you know, in a Christian sense the uh, I I kind of have this passion of the idea of you know the the Christian organization not all the time but a lot of times will take the worker for granted
0: mm-hmm.
1: and take the employee for granted and why is it that we have no problems with a guy throwing a football you know making 25 million and yeah sometimes people complain about that yet deep down, we love the sport so much that we, whatever, yeah. (laughs) are willing to spend money on tickets to go watch it, yeah. Yeah, I'll still sit in the seat, and I'll still turn it on the TV. Um, But then you get a church that's growing, that's Mm -hmm. changing people's lives, that's spreading the gospel, and we go, oh, that pastor, he's driving too nice of a car. Or, yeah. yeah. What's what's going on?
0: Yeah, it's like, well, the dude labored for this. Why can't God bless him? And I'm not saying to give the guy a million-dollar salary, you know, because I think every good pastor will know. It's like, you know... I don't need that much. I just only need yeah. to live on what I need. But, you know, I don't mind letting the pastor be blessed because of the efforts and the fruits that he puts into it. And it should never be the pastor complaining about. It, it should be us in our benevolence saying, man, yeah. this guy needs something. You know, we need to help and provide for him and, you know, the, you know, and encourage him. You know what I mean? We'll encourage our, these guys in football for getting these big contracts When uh, Odell Beckham. Of course, I mean, he's one of the best receivers in the game. but. He gets this big contract and everybody's congratulating him, saying "thumbs up, way to go, brother, you deserve it." <laughs> it's like a pastor drives a, a, a nice car, and it's like he doesn't deserve that. Yeah. Why? Why does he have to be a popper? You know what I mean? And now, I, you know, I,
1: I think the difference um, comes in you get the pastors who are just begging for money all the time, even that's though the balance. yeah, yeah. And I think that's where the balance comes is because if you get the quarterback that is offered a huge contract, and they go, "No, no, no, no." I could get more,
0: right? <laughs> we all look at him and go, "You, yeah, jerk. dude, you're, selfish. you're man, selfish." What about the rest of the team? I mean, yeah. at least, see, that's another reason I like the Patriots.
1: Teamwork, these, man, but teamwork. But team.
0: none of them get paid that well. The they don't. They don't. You know, Brady doesn't even have like a quarter of that. I mean, uh, he gets paid what, $13, 14 million a year? Yeah, it's a lot of money, right? But in a league where they're paying quarterbacks now thirty, right? He's all about the team. He wants look, what, what do we need to do to get more players in here? Do I got to take a reduction of salary? Fine, whatever. I just want to keep playing. That's the team, right? That, that actually happened. So, you know, you know, I Go love ahead. hockey. I love the Red Wings, right?
1: One of the things I was, during the Red Wings kind of legacy years, that was a big thing, was you had superstars that numbers are retired now who were willing to take pay cuts in order to be able to hold the team together and, and give yep. the best, possible advantage to the organization. And and even people who hate them have to recognize they were about the organization. They weren't about the self. And that's something I think with the Patriots that's right. huge is that they're about the organization, not the self. And they tend to go for the blue-collar hardworking players that like Tom Brady, that weren't necessarily the biggest names in college, but they they saw the work ethic, and they saw that these guys were willing to be role players for a bigger, That's right. bigger purpose. And
0: you can see, like, if they follow the vision, they're willing to do anything to to, to do the vision. Again, yeah. a lot like our founders. That's, you know, this is weird how we could draw parallels, but they knew they were after a common vision. They sacrificed everything for that common vision. Everybody put in what they needed to to, to create a vision to, to have a free America. I think success is only that way when your team is willing to sacrifice everything it has yeah. to, to, to make the team better. So if that means... Like I said, and then I'm just using Tom as an example, right? I'm not saying he's perfect and he's a saint or anything like that. Of course, everybody's got sins and everybody doesn't like the Patriots, and that's cool. But when you can take a pay cut to bring in more people, it's pretty dang cool. You see the sacrifice of it. Yeah. You know, how many of those quarterbacks now <clears throat> like a you know Aaron Rodgers, who I think is a phenomenal quarterback, you Absolutely. know, and, and dude, any other team would be lucky to have him too. You know, I think the pay, the Packers are great, you know, but it's like I'm not saying that proves his, who he is. I mean, agents are doing their thing, and it's right—they're yeah. they're the representatives. But I mean, it's like, what if he? They got approached and say, "Hey, man, we need you to get cut ten million a year because we need to bring in two more receivers." We need to—I mean, would he be willing to do it? Maybe, but we won't ever know because now they've set the precedent so high, you know. Yeah. And at what point is it too much? You know, now, I'm not saying that you know me, man. I'm a, are they rich or too rich. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, at what point is too much too much? Like, do you need all that? You know, what are you doing with it? I know Derek Carr, when he signed a $125 million deal, he said he was blessed and he wants to tithe more. He wants to give more. He wants to do more. Praise God. That's the way you should do it. And I, slow hand clap for Derek Carr. You know what I mean? For publicly acknowledging Christ, God gave him the blessing. He's like, I want to tithe. First thing I'm going to do is tithe. That's what I learned in college. He said, I tithe. Praise God, dude. That's awesome. You know, so he's got the right perspective. So I think, too, this is that question of role models, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> how many of these guys do good? And we kind of exalt that. But we're kind of like exalting more of the Colin Kaepernick side of things. Now, again, the, it, he's not in the league, I ain't capping on the dude. Yeah, it's you know it's the
1: the making waves that at least in practice, that's what we exalt. Right. What you you get maybe a 30-second a clip about the latest thing Tebow's done to help somebody out. Or J.J. Watt. Or
0: J.J. Watt. What right? he did you, for You see for a small Houston? headline.
1: Yeah, you see a small headline, you know, gives like $4 million or, or whatever he raised. Like 30-something uh, million dollars. Yeah, million it was it's it,
0: crazy. Amazing.
1: But then you get somebody like Ocho Cinco, who changes his name and, you know, does his whole theatrics thing, and that's all over for two weeks straight.
0: Which I hear he's changed, praise God. Yeah. I hear yeah. he's really
1: mellowed up. But but that example still stands of what what are we <laughs> what are we really paying attention to? What are we focusing to? on?
0: Yeah. yeah. Why why are we focusing on that? Why are we focusing on people kneeling for 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 a flag and stuff like that? Instead of exalting what's happening that's good. I mean, like I mean, I wonder how many players have foundations that we never hear about. Yeah. Helping kids with terminal cancer and muscular dystrophy and all these things. And again, most of these guys being Christian, I'm sure the church being the church. Hey, look, I got millions. I want to give it away. I want to help people. And you know, it's funny, Colin did too. He gave millions, millions of dollars to inner city stuff and he pledged and, you know. Which most people didn't hear about Most people didn't hear about that, right? But they were hearing about how bad he was. Now, again, did did I agree with him? No. Should he kneel during the fight? No, he shouldn't do all that stuff. But how many of us were willing to look at him and say, the dude's lost and we need to show the love of Christ and truth instead of, what a moron. Is that what he wants, a socialist society? Didn't he see what Che did? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, we're saying that when we're pretty much in a socialist nation. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Blame him for what? Openly being socialist. But we accept a government handout. How, how, most of these guys that are conservative go on, uh, uh, you know, that are in unions. When the job's done, they go on government assistance for work. Yeah. They, they, well, I paid into taxes for that. Why couldn't you put your own money away? Did you need a government to put the money away for you? Why are you taking that handout? You know what I mean? They get unemployment is what it's called, right? Yeah. And I know that because I have friends that do it, right? So you're complaining about people not following the Constitution. Ah, he's a socialist, but you're taking socialist programs, right? And and
1: the approval rating for Medicare for All, that idea, has shot up. It continues to shoot up more and more because after Obamacare and this idea of single payer more and more people are okay with it. And you're noticing it, even in the Republican Party, you're noticing more and more people are going, well, we we can't go back now. Yeah. Because we're all used to it. We're all satisfied with it. And we're not willing to stand on principle because we'll, we'll look at it and go, I don't like socialist policies. Right.
0: Except for that one. Except where <laughs> government's involved and yeah. I get to be in charge and control of it. You know, so I think every man... You know, kind of this gonna go along, with, along along the line with sports. Every man's control of his own destiny, and he should be. You know, is there crap that happens? But I look at an Abraham Lincoln. Agree with him or disagree with him? I don't really agree with him in a lot. I mean, there's that's a whole other topic. We can talk about Lincoln and the pros and the cons and all these things. Yeah. And was it constitutional what he did and all these things? But the dude like failed so many times that then finally succeeded being president. Failed at Senate. Failed at all these things. But he kept pushing and persevering. He controlled his own physical destiny like he knew that that's what he was called to do and he did it and i applaud that and, and i applaud the good that he did you know wanting slaves to be free great that's a great obviously duh blacks to be free i should say not slaves blacks you know and to be accepted in society praise god good stuff you know the methods to me you know hindsight's 2020 20, right the methods yeah. were wrong i think but you know not the emancipation proclamation i'm talking about other things so we can talk about that another time but um and we will we'll, we'll talk about that but I just think, you know, talking about sports, talking about life, the, we, we love handouts. Yeah. We love free stuff. We always want free stuff. And, you know, until we get rid of that mentality, that nothing in this life is free, it costs somebody something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we see trash thrown out on the street, we're like, oh, it's free. Well, what did it cost the builder to make that? It wasn't free. It cost him his labor, his time, the materials, right? Well, we just cast it away because that's not worth it to us anymore. But I love those people. that can find junk and turn it into treasure. Smart, you know what yeah. I mean.
1: So, you ever you ever look at something and really think about what went into producing it? Because um, nowadays we're in a in a a situation where everything's mass produced or or most things. You know, everything's put together by a machine or or this or that. But when you come across something that was made by hand, something that was designed with work and effort and labor, right? You know, do you th- do you think about what went into making that? You know, uh, a true Amish table. There's a lot of work that went into making that table, and there's a beauty in it, um, and we need to appreciate that. And I think people are starting to. I think it's switching back around to where we value that, we uphold it, and we want more of it. Right. We don't want just the IKEA table. Now we'd really like the Amish table because there's, there's a value to it. You know, I was talking to Melissa, and, and I said, you know, I want nice things that'll last a long time. Yeah. I want a
0: quality product. I,
1: I want a quality shoe that I know will last 10, 15 years and look great.
0: That's why Toyotas hold a yeah. resale value because we know they'll last forever if you yeah, keep it right. I mean, no, no car will last if you don't change the oil, right? But if you keep it right, I mean, yeah. you have a better shot with it. You know, that's why we value Toyotas, yeah. Um, you're right. I think, too, the, the, the value of things, if we don't see the value in things that aren't, that don't have life, can we really truly see the value in someone that does or something that does? Huh. You know what I mean? Think about it. So it's like, I know we're going on like a hundred different tangents, but I think it's good because it's like just thoughts, you know, we're just having random thoughts and I think we should call it section that random thoughts, you know what I mean? On top of doing self-evident again, this is like the purpose again of the podcast is to just be open. It's like a sit down. I just want to chill with you. You, a lot of people want to know what goes on in my brain. You know what I mean? Because why I think about certain things the way that I do sat down with a couple people a couple weeks ago, sat down with one guy named John Stenberger and, uh, you know, he asked me about immigration. I told him my thoughts. He's like, do you really think that could be achievable, blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, I don't know. But that's just my thoughts. You know what I mean? But I've never really delved into the situation on how immigration works and looks today because it's so far from what it should be. You know what I mean? You don't uphold the law. You know, it eventually becomes lawless and those kind of things. So I think, you know, to, to, to wrap up this whole thing, because I want to do more topics, right? And I think we should. Um, just cause we're men, dude, like we, we think about things, you know, family, I want to talk about family. I want to talk about my kids. I want to talk about, you know, what does it look like to be a good dad, you know, and stuff like that. Cause I, I'm (laughs) feel like I fail at that every day, you know, but there's still a standard, right? So we want to talk about these things. And just to wrap it up, I just want to say, you know, thank you for tuning into our first podcast, by the way. I think, uh, this was fun for me. I thought it was fun. Uh, well, it's like, you know, it's, it's crazy to be able to record yourself and actually put it out there by yourself. We don't have to be on a radio show and we don't have to pay for airtime. Yeah. We can do it all on our own. People can support the way they want to support. Independence is awesome. I love the free free market. You know, I love we can do this on our own now. Yeah. And if it's catchy and people like it, praise God, they'll support it. If they don't, I don't care. We already bought the stuff. Might as well keep doing it, you know. We'll
1: keep churning it out. Yeah, keep turning out <laughs>
0: stuff and keep churning out product. And we'll continue to push this podcast. Uh, and, and really be, and I think too, you know, just sitting here thinking, I've got so many ideas now for like how to how to put it out there, and just all these things, and you know, we want to have also guests on the show that are more liberal leaning, left leaning. We love that. Uh, I want everybody from
1: from every walk. Right, it, it's boring to have the conservative radio show with the talk conservative to conservatives. Guests. Yeah. I'm so sick of it. I want libertarians <laughs> to come in here
0: and talk about their viewpoints. You know why? Because there's certain things I agree with, certain things I don't. Yeah. I want liberals to come in because there are certain things that I think that they have legitimate points on. It's just their methods are bad. You know, they're not constitutional. Same thing with Republicans. They want to legislate morality instead of just being moral. No. Why, why do we have to do that, you know? So that's another topic, too, I think we should do. Uh, is legislating morality right? Well, it's already wrong to kill and lie. Yeah, but that's because it's taking someone's rights. And not to get too far into it
1: because it's a separate topic, but I think it really comes down to the idea of property.
0: That's right. Are we and taking it, away it, someone's it, is property yeah, in life? Is
1: it is it taking on somebody's property, which right. can includes life, includes the fruits of their labor, which includes intellectual property? I would argue.
0: Right. Yeah. But. Yeah. No. And I think again, you know, just to to, to bring it all to a close here. Uh, again, we, we travel a lot, and 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 now that I'm kind of pastoring more. Uh, we don't travel as much, but we will be traveling still and speaking and preaching and bringing the message of Christ, but also like how to transform America back to its, not transform, but reform America back to its original position uh, as a republic, you know, and giving the rights back to the people under God, you know, not just giving the rights back to the people because we can see what's happening now with people running it. So we just want to say thank you for listening to this first podcast. Uh, thank you for everybody uh, supporting us uh, online and monthly and all those things. that gets us to do these things. Uh, to, to, to give our opinion. You obviously believe in us. You believe in what we, what we talk about in our message, and that's important for us. Uh, thank you for all your prayers, and thank you for all the encouraging words. I, I love when people encourage me at the right time when I'm down. I just get an email or a text or a phone call, and, and God really blows that open for us, and yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and, and again, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of guys. our hearts for, for being with us through this journey, this last four years almost of our lives. It's come, coming up on four years of our lives. Um, that god's really done and i 've done ministry for a long time, but this you know being on your own is something different it's unique and uh again, thank you guys for being being there with us and and keep praying for us as we continue to pray for you and uh, we love all of you and we'll, we'll uh, hopefully catch up soon. We want to keep inviting guests on and have a call in number and all those things and we'll get to that uh, when you guys give us more money i'm kidding I'm kidding, okay we'll get there but uh, love you guys. And uh, we'll see you next week. Take care.